So how are you feeling today? What's on your mind? Uh, honestly, what's on my mind is the election. Yeah, let's get into it. What's on your mind about it? All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, just shy of four years ago, three years and 11 months ago, I think I said to myself that if I was not working in October of 2020, <laughs> that I would um, uh, take the months off to... Um, to work to defeat Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and um, uh, uh, the past two presidential elections, one of my sisters has gone and volunteered in swing states. In 2012, she went to Nevada, and 2016, she went to Florida. You know, volunteer families put her up. Mm-hmm. And I thought before before the virus that I would do something like that. Obviously, the virus changed everything. As it happened, I finished a project right after Labor Day, and it took a couple of days to kind of clear my head and get my bearings. And ever since then, I've been doing a lot of stuff. I, you know, found a lot of groups online. Well, basically two at this point, but they kind of funnel all funnel into the same thing, making lots of calls. And I got in touch with another group yesterday that we're going to try to... Um, round up a bunch of, like, a huge number of people who've said that they'd be interested in volunteering, but it doesn't seem that they've signed up yet. So basically, that's that's what I'm doing right now until the election, just working on working on organizing and brainstorming a couple of ideas for mm-hmm. kind of, you know, um, stoking the enthusiasm for the volunteer effort and getting out, and for getting out the vote. How do you... Get motivating people, especially young voters, unreliable voters, you know, to yeah. actually show up to the polls. So that's that's what been what's been on mm-hmm. my mind lately. How do you how do you feel about your work? Yeah. Do you feel do you feel satisfied or well, satisfaction's a tough word, but do you feel that oh, you yeah. are doing what you were supposed to be doing right now? Pretty much. I mean, in the big picture, yes. Like um you know, and it is. It, there's hard days and better days, and, but but there's there's rewards in it. And even though it's all virtual now, like there's um, one group I'm working with and uh, focusing on Florida, and uh, we have a Zoom calls going on in the background, and we're all sort of, and then you know we can either speak to one another or chat one another, and we see each other you know several times a week. So you mm-hmm. know, kind of forming a community. I see that that's about to happen with myself and another group. Um, so you know, you share you share the bad stories, you share the good stories, but mm-hmm. the, the good the good experiences are just great, you know. And you can the bad experiences aren't, you know, in the scheme of things. Like it, it, it's interesting. It's kind of almost the opposite of like what happens in social media, where mm. uh, um, um, you know, sort of controversial things c- c- tend tend to get amplified more. Um, but in this environment, it's like, oh, so what? Like somebody yelled at me and hung up on me. Like whatever, <laughs> I'll get over that. But that doesn't have the emotional resonance of the great calls. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, but yes, this, this is definitely um, what I feel like I should be doing. And everybody who I've talked to who's doing it, it's kind of it's addictive. It's you know, <laughs> even I th- though I don't like making calls, yeah, I don't like it. But then. But it's, it's, you just, and then every day it's like, okay, I'm going to make one more call, one more call, one more call, one more call. And even though you hate it, you just, you just got to do it. I think it's, I think it's the root of what's happening. And I appreciate that you just said that oftentimes the negative side of situations are presented and that, that goes for both sides. If you want to speak in terms of left and right, like the, the news just doesn't 
really appreciate positivity in a way because it's harder to uh, make opinions based on that, I guess, for some people. And so I th- I definitely think that you've honed in on yeah. the most important part and that it's compassion. It's, you know, it's equity. It's yeah. that that's the thing that yeah. it, it always makes me laugh at the end of the day, because the root of what's happening is great. You know, like it's it's a really scary situation. And there's some really awful ego and just just actions and words from places of hatred really is what's occurring but the the upside is still there you know it's good news even even if it makes you feel frustrated inside the frustration if understood for what it is is really just a call for more compassion a call for more patience um yeah so i I appreciate what you're doing yeah, you know, the algorithms of, of social media, the way they work is that they amplify anything that's, that's uh, controversial. Um, and, uh, and news in general, you're just going to kind of get more spreading of, like, in news, people react more to sort of bad news somehow, like, as far as getting attention, you know, than, than good news. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, the other side of it is kind of, you know, like, as you're just saying, that... Um, you know, there's a, a question of like dividing as opposed to unifying, and that gets um, a, a, a much more powerful. You know, the the idea of, of unity, like and and connection, is like just a much more rewarding right. emotional response. And you know, even when I when I call and you know we ask, oh, are you you know planning on supporting you know Biden Harris, and they say, no, I'm a Trump voter, and the script, and they're I think and. Um, kind of pass the word up and people are changing at least the people in my group the script says if you get a trump voter just say okay well thank you have a nice day but i say oh well you know um we might have different views but i respect your choice yeah and, um you have a very nice rest of your day and they they always say oh well thank you 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 too like in a sincere way and mm-hmm. it's it, whereas when they first say you know well i'm a you know calling for biden and they're like well i'm a trump voter and there's a little antagonism there and then if I just say that, well, you know, we have different views, but I respect the choice. And yeah. Immediately, they, you know, they respond to that. And I, I think Biden, um, I was very, very uh, grateful to watch the debate in that Biden displayed a lot of that where anytime Trump would get um, animated or start just just speaking with pure antagonism, not really trying to get to the root of anything sincere, there were many moments where Biden just saw past it, laughed at it, or he would he would look at the camera rather than looking at Trump, and he would say just like look look at this. He and I remember at one point he said he yeah. he feeds off of violence and division and hatred, and it it's an amazing he's amazing at what he does. Trump like it's it's incredible how divisive yeah. he can make situations because no matter what's thrown at him, use the white supremacy question for example like even something like that he can just talk over it and for many people that's enough and they hear they're not really listening to the words but more so the tone of voice more so the aggressive nature of it and unfortunately that's a really easy place for someone to sit because it's it's really easy to do that it's really easy to just argue with everything (laughs) rather than try to see the you know, the moments where there, there is similarities there, there are, yeah, it's really interesting. I watching the, yeah. the debate was 
unique for me because I haven't, I don't think, I haven't watched Trump speak for like an extended period of time in definitely a while <laughs> for whatever reason. Like, and, and so I, I just really wanted to, you know, do my due diligence and just, just listen and just, just watch without trying to think of either side as anything, just sort of watch. And I was, I was really shocked at like, the preconceptions of Trump that I had that I brought to the debate that I was aiming to reconcile or, you know, just watch without attaching to them, it, it, they came true. And it was really, really, yeah. it, I mean, more than anything else, I felt love in my heart because I felt like, because at the end of the day, Trump's, he just must be miserable. You know, it must be so tough to have all the weight of that aggression, of that discomfort is what it is, that inability to sit still the inability to just look at someone and speak with like a, a certain calm sort of presence. And so I definitely felt that, but I was just blown away at how, yeah, how bombastic it was <laughs> really. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't taken the time to do this experiment, but I read someone said that um, they watched it again without sound. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that, what you're saying was just sort of like 10 times more evident. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting, especially like the moments when Biden would look at the camera were especially profound for yeah. me because yeah. yep, 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 he, he's yep, doing yep, something yep. there where he, you yep. know, he's seeing through what he, he's like, okay. Cause you can see him sometimes Donald will like try to get him, And for just a second, Biden will bite at it, but then he'll, you know, be like, okay, well, what's the actual, why are we actually having this discussion? And that's Why so are we here? Exactly. <laughs> right. And so American it's can get to know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I appreciated yeah. that. How do you feel about Biden? Um, and by that I mean, were you like, have you have you been a Biden supporter for yeah. some time or? No, um, uh, he was not um, my first choice in an ideal world in mm -hmm. the primaries, but. Um, Once it, once it came to the California primary, um, I did uh, uh, put my support behind him, and mm -hmm. now, uh, the more I um, have seen him uh, and uh, read about his, you know, his positions and his plans on issues, um, um, I like him more and more. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he's uh, responded to... Um, a lot of good ideas uh, coming to him from different places within, um, uh, you know, the House and the Senate, and mm -hmm. um, and you know from leadership there. And um, yeah, I've 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 come I've come to like him really quite a lot mm. I've, you know, as I've as I've kind of learned to learn more about him for sure. Mm. I guess when when the when he first entered the race and even before that when there was some speculation that he might and I was like oh kind of you know kind of sort of like more of the same but I don't think he's more of the same of even where he was I mean you know like the country is evolving the demographics are evolving people's ideas on all kinds of issues are evolving and he has not stayed in the same place on, on mm -hmm. most things except marijuana odd, oddly I mean <laughs> I'm not I like not a pothead at all like I don't, you know smoke pot when I was like in my 20s or something but I really like haven't for 30 years I've got no interest in it but um uh it's odd that 
that he's not come around on trying <laughs> to make that legal at a federal level because I think politically it would be very good for him and just yeah. sort of you know and it, it it taps into like the whole criminal justice issue and where mm-hmm. he's sort of like on the good side of a lot of that and so and anyway that's the only place where he hasn't evolved where I'm kind of uh, confused that he mm-hmm. hasn't but yeah that's yeah. an interesting place to have a <laughs> A last stand is is an issue that's so yeah. actually inconsequential as that. I mean, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I just felt. I mean, dis- despite everything that can be said when wanting to find negative attributes about someone, watching the debate, I just felt an optimism from his side. However, however it was, there was an optimism. There was a hope. There was a an earnesty, and yeah. I mean that that's that's yeah. pretty much the basis is wanting things to improve, wanting there to be yeah. less division, <laughs> which just seems seems doesn't seem yeah. much to ask for, but yeah, yeah, less division, and I guess he he doesn't want to call it the Green New Deal, but he calls it like the Biden plan, which is kind of similar, yeah, sort of like a win-win, for yeah. sort of like you know what the New Deal was was like you know like infrastructure that everybody benefited from mm-hmm. and jobs which everybody benefited from and this will be the same thing but with you know green energy you know clean energy and and badly needed infrastructure and um i mean the new deal worked the first time and we could have you know great success with it a second time and so that's a real source of optimism and and positivity and win-win like there's no losers in that you know mm-hmm. it's the oil industry but right. all they need to do is evolve and a lot of them kind of have sort of a half a foot in that door anyway because for 20 years they've been seeing the writing on the wall so i think that oil producing <laughs> nations who rely solely on that um you know anyway i don't want to like get too much into the weeds on all that <laughs> stuff but uh, uh yeah some of them would, you know, it'll hurt them, but even some of them have uh, uh, opportunities to produce energy in other ways, so, mm-hmm. and export energy in other ways, but, yeah. Yeah, but, climate change um, is definitely uh, worth talking about, <laughs> to, to put it lightly. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, and, you know, you hear a lot of people, you know, in the military and national security, and they talk of, in national security, and they talk about climate change being linked to, you know, like one of our greatest threats to national and international security and stability um, uh, because of all the, you know, all the problems that it causes and uh, the cost of all the destruction and, um, uh, you know, waves of migration and, and refugee populations that it leads to. Mm. Goodness, yes. Well, I, I'm I'm really appreciative of the fact that we can have conversations like this and that there's... I, I definitely have a lot of hope for young voters who couldn't vote in 2016. And there just seems to be a, a compassion, I keep saying, but a really, a real compassion for the globe, for equality. Yeah. For things yeah. that, yeah. So I'm, I'm optimistic. You mean for, for, for people who were too young to vote in 2016, but who cared about these things. Yeah, yes. Or, or anybody. Or, right, for right, sure. Right, anybody who's younger is inheriting this mess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I found out about um, 
Trump's COVID diagnosis when it was, I think I received a text from a friend at about 3 a.m. And for whatever reason, it woke me up. And I, I thought I was Hello? in... What, where, where are you? I'm in where, Michigan. Where, what, are you on the East Coast? I'm oh, in Michigan. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So yeah. I, I was... Uh, yeah. I thought I was dreaming for a moment. And it's interesting because when I was watching the debate, I had this... It was it was when Trump was talking about um, he was just he was kind of jabbing at Biden for wearing a mask so frequently that sort of thing, and I was just thinking like not ill will but out of just sheer curiosity like what would the dynamics look like if if Trump got the virus like what would happen? <laughs> I was just really yeah. really curious and then it it occurred yeah what do you what do you think of that what do you think of that situation what sort of implications do you think this has? That's interesting. just didn't Um, age well. Trump voters are going to say, well, you know, like, 
maybe, you know, <laughs> that those are the only people who yeah. where the needle might move. Um, but international, you know, but, you know, well, the markets have reacted just because anything that ever, like, causes uncertainty, you know, uh, causes the markets to move. But mm-hmm. they usually kind of settle down and we'll kind of see how he goes in the next week. And if he's doing okay, then he'll, you know, probably be okay. And if not, then we'll, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing is that he'll be, you know, it's four and a half weeks to the election. So if he's sidelined for that long, you know, I don't know, maybe by the election week, if he's, if the reports are he's doing poorly, then probably people, people won't vote for him. Or maybe Goodness. They will. I don't know. We've had people vote for, we've had people vote for, for candidates who have died in the period of time between <laughs> the printing of the ballots and the election or something. So, yeah, I don't know. What a year. What a year it's been. Yeah. <laughs> it could possibly make people not vote, I suppose, mm. for, for, for him. Yeah, I'm just thinking of, like, um, a, a potential Trump supporter who, right, who, before his diagnosis, for whatever reason, firmly believed that the virus is a hoax or that it's blown out of proportion or that it's really not as big of a deal or really just don't believe in it. And so when... Yeah. When Trump himself says, I have it, I just wonder what happens in the mind yeah. of that person. <laughs> because that takes some right. extra denial to be... Because then who yeah. do you... If, if the man himself who's convinced you that this situation isn't as bad as it is says, no, I guess it's pretty yeah. bad, <laughs> then where do you go from yeah. there? Or maybe, yeah. Or he'll say, oh, well, yeah, I had it, but it's nothing. Yeah, that's what, that's what I've seen a lot of people yeah, predict. I, I don't know. I mean, if it was, I think any Trump supporter would say, well, I'll still vote for Trump because then if, if there's really something wrong with him, then it'll, it'll be, you know, I'm still going to vote for a Republican. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a, an, an early October surprise. It's a, a little <laughs> earlier than the proverbial October surprise. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, in a way, I'm not surprised at all of, of this because, you know, there have been reports of so many people around him, including, like, a, you know, terrible problem, like, I keep reading in the Secret Service. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you read, you know, from the occasional person who says, oh, I visited the White House, and they're just, like, really lax there about wearing masks. And, you know, there was one guy who, like, everybody there, like, made fun of him for make, wearing a mask, or, like, even, even worse, like, thought he was making a political statement, like, you know, so... I, in a way, I'm surprised that it's, that it's, it's Trump has avoided it this long. I agree. I agree. All right, so that's that's a decent but amount yes, of. Yes, indeed. What a what a year. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot Sorry. of politics talk. Do you want to chat about uh, your music editing? <laughs> yeah, sure. And congrats on your Emmy, by the way. Oh well, thank you. How did that thank feel? You. Oscar, you know, like yeah, we, you know, we, you know, and and I kind of 
I'm usually fairly cynical about awards in general, and and that kind of talk, sort of like as a goal, I think is kind of poison. But I agree. Watchmen, <laughs> Watchmen was a really great experience from the very first day, mm. and um, you know it was. I just thought the show was so good um, for the the content and the and the quality of it, and sort of like you know how how it approached the subject matter mm-hmm. and uh, Damon Lindelof, you know, the series creator showrunner is just extraordinary. And it was a great crew and, um, everyone had such passion for the show itself. And there was just, you know, just this great feeling and, you know, it, and it, you know, it was, you know, nine episodes. So, you know, like was, you know, several months that we were all in it together. And mm-hmm. so, I think in this case, you know, the the nomination in so many categories and the awards in so many categories was uh, validation that we weren't just drinking the Kool-Aid, that it was mm-hmm. something that actually meant something to people um, and n- not to, um, to uh, criticize, you know, like serious dramas, but, mm-hmm. you know, because it was like so sort of like issues based and so relevant and just mm-hmm. increasingly more so as time goes on um and i think also you know before the awards we we're like god who cares about awards in, in right, right. COVID and, right. you know, the election coming and it seemed like a frivolous thing but um but because it was you know so issue spaced it felt like less of sort of like self-indulgence to, yeah uh, I, I hear to, that to enjoy that and i i noticed that even in watchmen um for the acting categories, for example, that didn't win, which were uh, uh, Gene Smart, who played Agent Blake, and Jeremy Irons. Um, and they were extraordinary, but their characters were, you know, as, as performers, they were amazing but they're, and, and delightful, but their, their characters were less squarely in the, in the, in the race issues, you know, mm-hmm. they were more in the sort of like zany isn't the best word for it, but yeah, I hear you. Um, That's interesting to point know, out. There, there's this kind of crazy stuff that goes up. So, and then the, the, I can't remember exactly who won, but the, the winners in those categories of, um, were people um, were for shows that were kind of more issue based. So it seemed mm-hmm. like the voting went for things that kind of had that resonance and that kind of weight. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, and this extraordinary being, I watched it right before our interview, is just a, a breathtaking mm-hmm. episode, to put it as yeah. simple as I can. Yeah. Yeah. How did, you, how did you begin to handle the music for that? What does that process look like? Especially for an episode like this, because music is so interesting when, when you have to deal with time. So how, how did that process look? Um, kind of hard to explain, but um, 
the way the Trenton Atticus work is that, uh, you know, they, they, even for the pilot and then, you know, kind of as things move forward, they write a lot of music uh, inspired by the script, um, mm. not, 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 not even necessarily with particular scenes in mind, but just sort of like maybe kind of like a vibe for like this is kind of, you know, the sound of the show that we're hearing, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, several, you know, different tones and and vibes and stuff and with, you know, conversations with, with Damon and kind of like, yes, this is kind of what I'm thinking too and I don't know about this. And then, you know, more, more stuff kind of um, done that way. And then as we would get the episode, I would usually do kind of a roadmap of um, you know some some ideas and possibilities, and then um, you know they would uh, take the ideas that they thought were um, working the best and you know kind of put finishing touches on them or develop them or you know sometimes they might have written something you know to you know, just inspired by script and we'd drop it in and be like, oh, well, like that, you know, that works great. And other times it would be, uh, you know, just sort of a skeleton of an idea on sometimes there was sort of like more work on my part, which was a lot of fun to sort of like get something into shape and um, sometimes less, you know, more or less for them to do. But um, that particular episode, because it was an outlier and there really wasn't um, uh, a lot of stuff, you know, that was, you know, part of the, the music and the texture of the rest. Um, uh, and it's all kind of a blur, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, an intense schedule and everything. I, I think that they um, really kind of started from scratch for for most of that episode. There mm-hmm. wasn't really much. Um, so that, that for that one, I think it was a little bit more of a traditional music editor role, which is, you know, composers write to the right to picture and Mm -hmm. just kind of like facilitate making sure that everything everything uh you know falls into place in the right way um yeah there were there were a few sort of odd music editorial challenges but um uh, uh, yeah (laughs) well thank you for the insight like yeah the style of piano or yeah Yeah, the piano is what i was thinking of because when the piano appears at the end and i I was interested in how that comes in and out it's interesting well um a lot of that was was also kind of put into place by the by the picture editor and um Mm. uh there were there were just one or two places where it was like a little bit of a train wreck and they were like well here you know you can can figure we could figure out how to how to uh, smooth this out so it sounds good and just um, uh, I just remember there was one <clears throat> not at the end so much but there was one kind of in the, in the middle where they go from um, you know the mother playing the piano in the theater to mm-hmm. like somehow like they they made it a scene look seamless it was like a, sh- a the camera was moving around to the back. Mm-hmm. Of, her first she was playing the piano in the theater and then we're out on the sidewalk and it looks like one continuous piano move. Mm. but then meanwhile um the pianist the, uh, the actress did it to playback meaning they played the music on set and um 
you know, she had the sheet music, so she would, you know, play along on that. They weren't using the sound from that live upright piano, but, you know, so that her fingers would match. <clears throat> but just the way that they cut the theme together, it was like two parts that <laughs> didn't go together at all. <laughs> and so we had to, uh, that was a bit of work to, uh, to between a little bit of a back and forth between me and the composers, kind of like, kind of like, you know, <laughs> Well, it's beautiful, and I, I appreciate your work on it a lot. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, and then there was a then uh, there was a song that Trent Atticus wrote mm-hmm. um, that's used twice in that episode. Um, it's called "The Way Things Used to Be," and uh, if you heard it, well, when, what, anybody would assume that it was just a period. Song. That was my assumption. You yeah. Know, an song from the port. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and it's featured in the lynching montage in the middle of the episode, and then it comes back again at the end mm-hmm. uh, for the flashbacks of, you know, Don Johnson's hanging. And, um, yeah, Trent Maticus wrote that song. And, um, wow, man. That's beautiful. Uh, the, yeah, the whole thing kind of came together. Well, yeah, really fairly quickly, and um, they did um, engage a uh, an arranger, a guy called Dan Higgins, who um, you know that's he's a sax player. Um, but, mm-hmm. That, but kind of that era is you know right up his alley. So he did um, he did the arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, that was that was uh, really fun to see. Uh, Trent and Atticus do something so different from you know what you would expect from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I, I'm I'm always ha- really fascinated with when shows go into flashbacks because it can be handled a number of ways. But I, I like how it how it maneuvered between characters and how it was kind of spotty. Like it, there would be scenes that would go on for a minute, but then it would there would be the flashes, there'd be the moments, and the the music so much holds all that together and keeps you it's it may be subtle if you're not paying attention to it but it's like okay the music's saying that i'm in this time <laughs> so i'm going to continue being in this time mm-hmm. well thank you for that yeah yeah so you say you don't work on tv no, i can't remember yeah sorry go ahead uh you said you don't work on tv shows much so so how do you appreciate movies more do you think in terms of the work that you do is that why you think you do it or do you think it's just been a, a matter of of pattern yeah i mean i um right from before i was a music editor i um i was a, i started on the picture side i was a picture apprentice and assistant in new york and um and came out here, and I, I, was, I was a picture assistant, and I just kind of started in teachers, and so mm. that's just kind of what I did, and then, um, yeah, there's only been, like, a teeny bit of, of TV that's come my way, and then, you know, uh, I've been working a lot with Trenton Atticus um, over the last uh, sort of four years or so, and we've done features, and then, you know, they, um, they, they, were a big fan of Damon's 
um, they thought, you know, really highly of you know, everything of his that they had seen, mm-hmm. and um, somehow, you know, they they connected, and um, so Damon brought them on to do this project. But um, so this is the yeah, I mean, it's just uh, the group. I did. It's kind of you know, there's certainly some overlap, but there's um, uh, there are like a lot of people in TV whose whose names I just I just don't know. You know, who work in TV. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's not near. There's not. There's not there is some, but not a lot of overlap. So I guess if you just kind of fall into one or the other at the outset, then that's kind of what you you, you know you tend to do. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Well, thank you for the chat. I think this is definitely sure. a substantial amount of stuff to have. Okay. I pre I really appreciate um, having chatted today. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the timeline is. We'll, how quickly these come out before election or after election? <laughs> uh, I yeah. I definitely <laughs> think it'll be out before. <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah, because we spent a bit of time coming out. Yeah. Before, but, um, for sure yeah well i'd love to have a, a post-election chat as well <laughs> and see what where we were right and yeah, where we were wrong right. see if i'm applying for an irish passport <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was for the first time thinking about citizenship in a different place because i thought man if if this happens again that's really going to push the the challenges I believe, I believe Ireland. I, I yeah. believe Europe. Did you have a grandparent born there? No, we've been in the U.S. for some time. It's southern U.S., so I don't. I don't have any ancestors that I know of that I could. <laughs> but yeah, right. the world's my oyster. I, my grandmother was born in was born in Ireland, and oh so goodness, it was actually a long time ago. Like 15 years ago, I wanted I pursued this, and I was very well down the road of getting together all the documents. My mm-hmm. cousin went to Ireland, got a copy of our grandmother's birth certificate. She was send it to me. Wow! And then she moved suddenly, and it went into storage. And then she didn't send it to me. And then all this time went by, and I kept asking her, and then I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> and then the other day, I came across that file, and I was very interested to like what, and I have. Because you, you just have to prove the chain, you know. Uh-huh. So, like, I just do need my grandmother's birth certificate. And you have to show your, your, your the, the, the person's, the grandparents' birth certificate, marriage certificate, death certificate, mm-hmm. your, your parents' birth certificate, marriage certificate, death certificate, and your own birth certificate. And then I looked at my father's birth certificate. No, rather, sorry, my father's death certificate. Mm-hmm. And I guess my brother provided them with the information that said occupation and it was listed as activist <laughs> at business or industry, business or industry, politics. <laughs> so I guess, uh, I guess maybe I inherited a little bit of that. Yeah, what, what did your father do? Why is why was that listed as, as his occupation? Well, he, I don't know, he did like a whole bunch of kind of different things, but he was always very involved in um, local uh, democratic po- uh, party politics. I grew mm-hmm. up in a town called Englewood, which is a, a, a suburb of New York City. Mm. And he was very involved in that. And I guess in first grade, they go around the class and they ask what your parents do. And I said, <laughs> my daddy is a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, he, 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 when I was younger, he did corporate writing. He was a writer, 
but really, uh, he had, he had uh, done some journalistic work, but he was a corporate writer. He had, he had um, done some ghost writing for soap operas. Mm-hmm. So then he, you know, he kind of took his writing abilities to, that later on to, like, he, he worked for um, one or two left-leaning um, uh, lobbies. Uh, well, one was um, about... Uh, public ownership of energy resources and also like God, like in the, I guess it was in the 70s, he worked for a long time for the nuclear freeze campaign. So he was a hmm. he was a writer, but then he would, you know, a writer a writer for hire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, I will let yeah. you right. know when this is out.